the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Paul Peck with the founder and editor of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti, our third wheel, Kevin Sylvester, on air quotes assignment this yeah. week. Um, Kevin had some golf duties for PGA Tour Radio. He's on his way back from Bermuda. Sure, sure. Can't wait to hear about how that trip was. Uh, but we'll hold down the fort this week, uh, Mike. We've got some cool stuff to talk about. NFL, Major League Baseball, postseason play, something we don't delve into a whole lot here on the Spot Track Podcast, which is the NCAA. We'll get to that in a minute. But we want to tell you that we are brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. We believe in empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. To learn more, go to morganstanley.com slash GSE, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, member SIPC. Mike, before we get into a couple of our topics of the day, as we usually like to do on a Monday morning here when we record, uh, to reflect on the NFL weekend. And uh, I, I think one of the headlines of the NFL weekend was clearly the Patriots losing. That's maybe let's let's be equal opportunity here. The Patriots <laughs> losing and the Dolphins winning. Um, there's some, you know, they got the ones uh, on either side of the record there. Yeah. Uh, the, the Ravens were very impressive. I didn't see a ton of the game, um, but the Ravens were were very impressive and let's be honest the Patriots always get kind of lay an egg and I don't know that you'd say that's laying an egg they always have a couple of losses early in the year where the everyone starts to predict that the sky is falling yeah and I think the most surprising part of it was that they got punched in the mouth I mean if you watch the first 10-15 minutes of that game the first quarter alone I mean 140 rushing yards right I mean they got they got punched right down the gut so Impressive for a lot of reasons, I think. I agree with you. This, there's always going to be a stumble for New England here along the way. They just It's almost something they purposely do you know, it, yeah. to, to get themselves back it into gear. It gives Belichick something to sure rip does. his guys if on. If you saw the, the, the shot of him on the sideline with that defense, you know that's going to continue all week long. Um, but, yeah, you know they're going to restart it and get back in gear. Uh, the, the, the takeaway, and really across the league, and you know this is sort of cliched to talk about, but it, it's relevant to, certainly this week, is just the quarterback play. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson... It, he's a whole podcast episode in himself. Absolutely, you know, we, you know we'll let the uh, what we'll he's let the done big is shows amazing. Talk about it. I, what he's done is amazing. I mean, you you I've made my feelings clear here on running quarterbacks, so I don't Let's, think they succeed long term in the NFL. But I'll be the first to admit what Lamar Jackson and he is an incredible anomaly, even in the running quarterbacks category. No question. Is he so, the best ever? Well, Michael Vick's Michael Vick is similar skill set. Um, I'm not sure I'm ready to say that he's the best ever yet, but he is equivalent on the skill set side to the speed and athleticism of Michael Vick. I don't know. Is he better passer? I'm not sure I'm ready to say that yet. But but I think that the difference between all the other running quarterbacks and Lamar Alexander is Lamar's the most athletic, fastest guy on the field. That's not usually what you say about other running quarterbacks. There's no question. He, he picks his spots well. I, I'm not worried about him getting hurt at any point in time. Is that wrong? <laughs> it just seems like he's not in danger. I, I Whereas think like Deshaun Watson. I think he's always going to be in danger. I really? Think, I think a running quarterback is always going to be in danger because you're you're increasing the opportunities for him to get hit and hurt as opposed to a guy that doesn't run as much. So to me, you're, you're always in danger. But what Lamar can do is get away from that danger unlike anybody else. Because of, because of the athletic Because system. let's be honest with yeah. you, the downfall of the Kaepernick's and the RG3s was that defenses became as fast and athletic as they were and thus had the ability to catch them, hit them, and then hurt them at times. Um, they can't catch Lamar Alexander right at this Not point. Not right now. Right. And, and that's sort of where I wanted to go with this. There's going to be a point in time where he slows down. There's going to be a point in time when good defensive coordinators catch up, which they all do. Both. Obviously, as he ages, it's just the truth, right? I don't even right? know if it's an age thing. I, I think eventually next year another off season you know again we've seen this with all the with Mayfield and Mahomes that, that they haven't done quite what they did last year mm-hmm. because defenses had the opportunity to pull them apart and pick them apart and figure out what it is that can work but, to stop them but and and without you know crapping on the patriots like i'm sure every other show is doing today right what there's clearly the athleticism of Lamar Jackson and really all the running quarterbacks we've seen this year and maybe in years past, that's the trigger for the Patriots. Josh Allen is not a great quarterback, but Josh Allen versus the Patriots sort of trips up the Patriots a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Sure. Belichick really can't game plan for athleticism. 
It's the one downfall he has, and, and that's not his fault. Right. <laughs> you know, you, when when plays break down, there's no game plan for that, right? Correct. And Lamar Jackson's just better than, you know, than smart, and, you know, intelligence can put sure. you in place Kyle for. Kyle Van Noy can know to be in exactly. exactly the right place at exactly the right time because he's been coached that way. But if he's there and Lamar puts a juke on him and gets around him, it doesn't matter, right? That's you're you're absolutely you couldn't have said it better. Athleticism is about the only thing that can overcome the Belichick's brains. So, I think Collinsworth last night was alluding to this. It, this is going to be the formula, right? Hmm. This has to be the formula. There's two. There's two points to be made here. One is there's no question teams are going to be looking for this more, right? Right, of and, which they're getting from college. Now. That's what I'm saying. There's there's plenty of athletic kids playing quarterback in college right now who are doing. You know, they're not they're they're not Lamar Jackson, and that's to they're me, not that's Lamar my, Jackson. I'm waiting to give you my response, and that's right. One and you of sort them. of already mentioned it with with RG three and Kaepernick. Whereas there's a level to where these guys you know have a ceiling. We haven't seen Lamar's ceiling yet. No, it, it might come, but it, it, is it is it harder to game plan for Lamar Jackson next year? And you're right, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield and certainly Sam Darnold, they've all taken steps back because defenses are ready for them now. Right. Can you be ready for Lamar Jackson? Well, I think ultimately you can be because history tells us every quarterback like that has been to some degree figured out by defenses, right? They've adjusted to it. Um, Which way he likes to scramble, all that kind of stuff. Sure, You know, and again, to me, you know, to me, whether it's a growing trend or not is I don't know how many other Lamar Jacksons there are. I mean, again, even coming out at Louisville, he was a dominant athletic player who could do things athletically that no one else can do. And I think the other factor becomes ultimately he's your quarterback. He's your most valuable asset. There's going to be a tipping point of how often you're going to put him in risk opportunities, right? And particularly as... As you start to pay them again, Lamar's on a rookie deal. You know, we, this is Let's this is there. how we can spin this back to Let's the spot there. track world. This is my feeling: is that when those guys start to get paid and the investment is made by the franchise, that's when things change. So let's get there. This was point number two on this Washington quarterback discussion. We really just don't see it. They, even if they get their second contract. I mean, Kaepernick was out in two years. RG3 never got it. That's right. RG3 never got the deal, and that was injuries. Anyone else right now with any kind of sense? Cam Newton to some degree? Is Cam Newton a rushing quarterback? Uh, you know, he I was, think at right? times he was. He was. But he, he was also just so big and strong. But now I think what you're seeing is that big and strong stopped being an asset and became a bit of a liability. But it's been every other year, too. Yeah. It, since he signed that second contract, every other year there's been an injury. He's missed half the year. It's just the way, of the, the way it goes with these guys. I, that's the problem I'm having here. Number one. They do slow down four years into their career, which is the end of the rookie contract. Right. Right. Defenses are going to catch up. How do you pay these guys? I don't know. How do you pay I, these I'm, guys? I wanna, Knowing all I'm of inclined this. to want to say you don't. That's what right? I mean. I mean, because of the added risk factor of the way they play, to me, the smart play would be rookie contract, four years, five years. By then, you've either slowed down or you've taken your hits that have created right. the fact that you've slowed down. Done. Get me another one. They're a veritable backup they're, at they're that point. They're becoming running quarterbacks are getting going to be close to running backs. That's, I think that's where I'm going. I think that's where I'm going. I, it's just going to be tough to see it. I, I agree Lamar is probably an outlier. He is right now for sure. We'll no see question. next year. We'll see next right. year if there's, you know, if there's a catch-up or not. But I, I'm, just, I'm worried about three years from now when we have to talk about his market value. And, you know, if Baltimore wants to keep him, who knows where the regime will be. One last point, and, and let's stay on Baltimore here. They did this extremely well. Yeah, and quickly. I, I mean, they, they got the left tackle a couple of years ago in Ronnie Stanley. They, they, it was the Dallas Cowboys model to some degree. Not only were they ready to, to bring Lamar in full-time this year, but they went and paid Mark Ingram, which is something a lot of people didn't understand. Why would you pay $5 million for a guy who, you know, who was a, a, you know, sort of a handcuff player to Elvin Kamara last year? And they understood what had to happen because – in order to keep Lamar Jackson healthy is the wrong word, but you know, fresh as a quarterback and keep him in the pocket, you had to have some sort of equivalent running back to go with him. And we saw it last night against the Patriots. New England didn't know if it was going to be Lamar or Mark Ingram running the ball. And whichever did, you know, it, both of them had success last night by all means. But when you've got that doubt of, Yes, Lamar Jackson might be the best athlete on the field, but Mark Ingram can hurt you just as bad right, right. now. And they paid for that. That's 
to me, that's a very, very well-built team and a very well-coached team. John Harbaugh. Quickly, and to John Harbaugh's credit, look how quickly they made the transition from Joe Flacco to Lamar Alexander. Incredible. You're you're talking opposite. You're you're not even you're talking opposite ends of the galaxy, not opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> um, but that's what you get from a veteran smart coach in John Harbaugh Alex Smith, there's Pat no Mahomes, hesitancy right? there's no yes. hesitancy to say oh I, I, this might not work I might lose my job this is him sitting down and saying we are all in rip up the playbook yes. and, and I know Collinsworth talked about this last night rip up the playbook write me a new one to take advantage of this guy we're going to change our whole team the whole three tight ends thing that they yeah. do I mean this is stuff that nobody else does that's a credit to John Harbaugh and his confidence and coaching ability to say I got this guy. The only way this guy's going to be successful is if we do everything we can around him to make him that way. And if you keep, if you continue that path, how they built this offense, they brought in three deep threat wide receivers this offseason. Just stretch the field, get it out of here kind of players who have been successful, but they're only being used once, once or twice every couple of weeks. It's the Patriots model, yeah. right? They've got all of these different things they can be. They can be Jekyll and Hyde week to week. They can be this three tight end fullback set we saw a couple times last night where Mark Ingram just you know buries down the middle of the field. They can flex out and be a spread team like a college-style team where Lamar thrived at Louisville, and they can, he can be a pocket passer that goes deep. They are they are built to win in every every single way, and that's why you saw them destroy the yeah, Patriots. Yeah, you know they night. don't they don't get the the uh, ad, adulation that the Patriots do, but I you could argue the Ravens are as good or as an organization over a long period of time that yeah. the Patriots are. Uh, granted, they haven't won the championships, but their ability to manipulate the draft and the and uh, Peter mm-hmm. King wrote about this this morning. Uh, the the comp- compensatory picks uh, just changing on the fly, letting guys walk. Oh, my God, how could you let that guy go? And replacing them with the next guy. Boy, the the Ravens and and the transition from Ozzie Newsome to a new general manager. Um, Very well (laughs) done. Very smart. (laughs) Yep, very smart. Uh, One quick quarterback question that that, uh, not so much related to yesterday, but that I was curious on your part. We we now know the end of the Andy Dalton era in Cincinnati with announced that he's being benched as the starter. What, uh, what, What do you see there? Contractually, this was been coming, in my opinion. I mean, Cincinnati's, you know, sort of that girlfriend that that keep, that can't you can't let go of, right? You keep calling right. her even though you don't want to. Uh, you know, they've had to get rid of some of these guys years back. The Marvin Lewis era probably lasted too long, although many are probably clamoring to have Marvin Lewis back at this point. Um, I I know a lot's been said about did they do right by Andy Dalton? You know, should they have put him on the block earlier, let him get it some trade value? I I understand what happened here. This is a team that's in disarray. It's a new it's a new front office. It's a, certainly a new coach. That I mean, he is as ripe as can be out there. Um, to me, are, are you going to? Tra- you, you've mentioned it. You're not going to trade a quarterback midseason. No, right with no. any value. I to mean, me, this see this is smart on Zach Taylor's part because they know they're in position to get a quarterback in the draft next year, but they need to find out if the one they drafted this year is legitimately Finley. worthy yeah. or not. So if you don't bench Andy Dalton to play Finley, you never get that answer. Now you go into the draft going, well, do we need one or do we not need one? Should we take one? Should we not take one? Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll get their answer, I would think, over the last stretch of this season. I'm just very worried for the rest of the team. I mean, there's so many holes to fill. You know, are you even ready for a quarterback yet? No. And and maybe that's how they're thinking. Maybe they're thinking we'll take Chase Young instead if we don't have to take a quarterback with one of the top couple of picks because Finley looks like he might be a a decent enough guy. Uh, One other NFL uh, tidbit for you is uh, just the NFC is a powerhouse right now. You know, I mean, you just look, just pull up the NFC standings. Uh, You've got one team with eight wins in the Niners. You've got three teams with seven in the Packers, Saints, and Seahawks. And you've got a Vikings team with six. And somebody else, I think, has six. I mean, the Cowboys, Giants, and a bunch of tonight. fives. I mean, the Cowboys could fall out of first place tonight. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Who knows in yep. that division? So the NFC is the NFC run to the playoffs is going to be fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a clamor. Let's two more minutes on quarterbacks because it really is, from a team building standpoint, it's really something to think about. We've talked about how maybe these Russian quarterbacks, you know, don't get a second life and a second contract and end up being backups. Is there ever a, a bigger need for a solid backup quarterback than this era of modern football? Mm. I mean. Matt, Matt Moore is a real quarterback. That's a real quarterback yeah. who understands Andy Reid's ridiculous philosophy. I mean, he's a, you know, Andy Reid's not a simple guy to get used to in terms of strategy and scheme. That was as good as you can get as a, for a backup performance there. And you beat a really good team 
And Matt Moore was not a game manager out there. Matt Moore, no. he was making all the throws he was being he, he was being asked to make. That that playbook was as live as it would have been for Patrick now, Mahomes. Now, all that said, you are giving him an incredible amount of weapons to work with. No question. So that's again, that's we can debate that forever. Is right, it the right, quarterback Paul, or the players is, around him? My point is, generally, the team building process has been: let's get all the weapons we can get for our starting eleven. Let's get you know, let's load up on offensive line because those guys get hurt every week, right? And then from there, we just sort of mail it in because, you know, we don't have the cap space or, or, or the roster spots to fill these out. Teams have been taking a lot more care about having two, maybe three quarterbacks and paying that second quarterback pretty well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got your Chad Hennies, who's supposed to be the backup quarterback in Kansas City. He's making five, six million. He's made he's made that much a year as a backup for his entire career. Right. And I, I think you're going to see a big push for this. And look, at there's going to be quarterbacks, Andy Dalton, for instance, um, Mariota, Flacco, Flacco, Ma- Mariota, they're probably all, they're all in position. They're going to gonna fall off. Tannehill, they're going to fall off their yeah. current rosters, and there's just not going to be spots for them. Well, the problem is, let, let's be honest. The problem is, it's hard finding starting quarterbacks, so that makes it even harder to find backups. But I think what you're going to see is guys that you just mentioned extending their career, maybe later than you would think, because they have something to bring to the table stability. as a guy's stability. They've yeah. been around. You know, I mean, again, Matt Moore was never a big winner. Was never a huge hugely successful starting quarterback, um, but he was around long enough to know how to do the job and put him in with Andy Reid and all those weapons, and he elevates himself to the acceptability point. You know, we always talk about NFL guys will always tell you, if I got to play my backup quarterback, just just keep me 500. Yeah. Um, and, and that isn't even easy to do sometimes. You That's know? exactly Matt Moore's career record, 500. Uh, and, and <laughs> you know, again, and, and, and to me... That's the difference between a Matt Moore and a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Is right. Matt Moore um, kind of knew his limitations and had more was able to be more successful when he was in those roles? No question. Uh, I, I want to spin this a little bit too. We've got the XFL, we have the AAF, we have the CFL. We've got all these other leagues where these quarterbacks are supposed to go and, and sort of refine themselves, right, and flourish and get noticed. Doesn't really happen. Doesn't happen. No, nope. right? You guys, wanna, you want to leave the NFL world? It's yes. very rare. to You want to be on a back. practice squad. Is yeah, my point, yeah. right? At the very least, you want to be on a practice squad. Because or you want to be on that uh, in that five-man hit list that every team has that when, the, when Jacoby Brissett <laughs> gets hurt, the GM is on the phone from the press box calling one of those guys on his list to get him in town for a workout Monday to be ready to sign. I mean, more than ever this year, I mean, the evidence is bearing out. I mean, Kyle Allen, Brandon Allen. I yeah. mean, it's all Everybody over the place. Allen. G Minshew. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're just coming in and playing good ball. It's a testament to the coaching staffs who are getting these guys prepared behind the scenes. There's no question, but right. it's also they're really taking care of this backup situation. It's a big deal right now. I mean, the 16 weeks sounds like it's not a long season, but look, we're only halfway there now, and we have no idea who's going to the playoffs yet. Yeah. Like as you mentioned, the NFC has nine, ten teams that could get in. So. And it's funny because a couple of years ago, I I was of the thinking that you know, it was rare to see quarterbacks get hurt. They're so well protected now. Um, They're so, you know, they don't get hit, uh, none of that. So, you know, for a while there, you were thinking, well, how important really is it to have a backup quarterback? But, but for whatever reason, and I don't necessarily know what the explanation is just other than the wear and tear of the position, maybe guys get, are getting hurt a lot more now. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's guys getting hurt on goal on quarterback keepers. It's Bursett getting hurt when he gets rolled into in the pocket. Um, Fluky stuff though. A little, yeah. Fluky. I mean, guys aren't getting blown up no. anymore. You know, again, the running quarterbacks are taking that risk, but most quarterbacks aren't, don't get hit all that often. It's, it's a hand or a thumb on a helmet. Yeah kind of a thing yeah it's been a lot of that lately yeah you're right it is interesting that we're still talking about all these injuries even though the league has taken all these measures yeah but it's just the nature of the beast i guess right Let's talk baseball. Okay, let's do it. Let's shift a little bit. Baseball season is over. Uh, what an incredible run for the Washington Nationals yeah. to to win the World Series. Um, obviously, that's already triggered some changes that that yeah. have started the free agent season. But um, you wanted to look into a little bit of uh, what the postseason pay was. Yeah, just a precursor because we we won't know the actual dollars since uh, probably till the end of the month, closer to Thanksgiving, which we'll, we'll certainly be on here talking about once we know the actual numbers. But this is sort of how this works. I thought it's interesting just to talk about it a little bit. The, the, it's all the, the way the players get paid in the postseason is based on the attendance of the postseason. Interesting. It, it's, it always has been. It's not a pool, a prefixed pool of money. Nothing to do with revenue of, you know, throughout the year or any of that TV markets. It's, it's how many gate receipts they get, essentially. Um, it's broken down by uh by by level so 50 percent of the wild card game tickets 
gets pulled into the into the player uh, postseason pay. Then 60% of the, the first four divisional games, 60% of the first four championship series games, and 60% of the first four World Series games. Like I said, all of that money is collected, put into a pool. Last year, it was like $88.2 million that was dispersed out. And then you, you get a, a higher percentage based on how well you do. So the Nats this year should get about 36% of, of that pool, which is, you know, that's going to be sure. It's going to be a good If it's $90 million, I'm, I'm going to guess it's, you know, that they exceeded last year's pool. Right. It just seemed with the, with the length of the series, with the interest in the series, the Washington being there for the first time uh-huh. and, and sort of pushing through the Yankees. You had big markets. You had big attendance markets, the Cardinals, the Braves. So Dodgers. Dodgers. Um, I'm going to guess that the pool is going to be, you know, approach 90, if not exceed $90 million. So 36% of that dispersed out to every player on the team. That's a nice little chunk of pay. Not to mention the, the teams have the ability to disperse this however they want. So if they want to give the broadcasters some of this, the, the, you know, the janitors, <laughs> you, you know, certainly there's there's clubhouse guys that right. are going to get a piece of this just because of the work they do and the relationships they form here. But, you know, you, they have the option to make it just the 25 man roster, the 40 man roster or, or certainly, you know, I think last year the Astros gave out 66 shares. So, you know, there were a lot of, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes players and guys that got, that got some Good, got good for some, that. Good for that. Here. You know, again, these guys are making so much money now that, that you, yeah. know, it, we're, you know, it's easy to say, easy for us to say, what's a fifty or $60,000 playoff share going to mean to a guy who makes $10 million a year? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe that, that needs to change or maybe that, you know, I, I mean, again, I know, you know, because, again, not every player makes the big money. So for the guys who are making less money, it, it can be a big deal. Um, but there's something that seems to rub me wrong a little bit with J- Justin Verlander or Strasburg or Scherzer <laughs> getting a check for 60 or 70 grand. Like, what, what is that? Is, is that supposed to be an incentive to them? Like, what what's the point behind it? You think it's just like a Christmas bonus? Yeah, yeah I kind of do. <laughs> they, they donate it and, and turn it back to the foundation. And if they turn it around and donate it to foundations yeah. or to clubhouse guys, then then good for them because that's what they should do. Yeah, I'm going to guess we're going to hear a lot more of those stories because you're right. I mean, Scherzer made $30 million this year. Right. I don't think the $200,000 bonus he gets from the World Series is going to matter too much, but... Yeah, we say that like you know, right. Can no, you, but, I mean, can you imagine, right? Yeah, can but you, that's it's all imagine? relative, right? It's it, all it relative. is relative, but you know, it's neat how they break it down. I mean, the Astros should get about about a quarter of the pot by twenty five percent, and then the Yankees and Cardinals are going to get about twelve percent each. So, you know, it's it's sixty to two hundred thousand in that range per person, and uh, it's interesting though that the teams don't have to pay this, right? The teams are essentially off the hook once they get to the playoffs. Yeah, so it's all Major League Baseball that pays it. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Is that well, good? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. You're right. The the, pay, the salaries are paid during the regular essentially season. Essentially, the fans they, are paying. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, the fans are paying. Fans are showing right. up to pay. That is true. Um, it's a really interesting. Do the teams concept. get kicked back from Major League Baseball any money for that, or besides the well, they get the rest of the gate receipts. Sure, <laughs> right. Of course. So they get the, the other percentages of the gate receipts. So essentially, it is the teams forfeiting their their ticket revenue. To go back to the players, so I guess it is the teams paying out a little bit, but it's interesting that how this works. You know, the TV money that comes in on the on the postseason. I mean, right. this year especially had to be pretty darn good. Oh yeah, right? oh yeah. Although so, the ratings were not very good. No, I, um, I never saw. Yeah, I, I I saw a few things. That game said, seven, even. I didn't. I don't know if I saw the numbers on game seven, but I think just generally the the, the ratings were not were among the lower ratings. Now now again, everything's ratings these days are among the lower yeah. ratings, just because of the world we live in and the different ways to watch things. Sure. Um, but but I I get the sense that the ratings were not great. Hmm. Um, it's baseball. I I just you know. I don't know. I, I know I've heard some people say baseball has become a regional sport and not as much a national sport anymore. And uh, I think there's some truth to that. No question. I think if you're in in uh, in Maryland and and Virginia and D.C., you are all about it. I'm not sure people in Kansas and Idaho were quite as fired up to watch the Nationals, uh, you know, and the Astros play. Yeah, there's no question. All right. All right. Uh, We don't delve a ton into this, into NCAA related issues, because there's not really any salaries to track for uh, for Mike on SpotTrack.com. But um, the the word that came out earlier this week was was to some degree interesting. But I think the more you dove into what the NCAA said uh, about the name, image and likeness uh, issue, they didn't really say very much 
Um, they sort of acknowledge that we need to do something about it. Um, we don't quite haven't laid out anything specifically why. What the NCAA, I think, is focused on is in getting in front of this so it does not become a state by state issue like it has with California, because then the NCAA loses its ability to control an entire organization. I'll agree with that. But the, the reason I wanted to bring this up is I did read the language. I did read as much as possible from the statements. <laughs> and obviously, the you know, the conversations that sort of spawned from this immediately were you know, in each in each extreme, right? I mean, so you had on the left, you know, these players shouldn't be paid. You know, you know that's that's not what amateurism is. You know, what's going to happen if you've got guys making millions of dollars in the sophomore year of their college versus, you know, all those all of the the negative side of players getting paid sort of came back to focus. And then you had the other side of it, which was and and sort of my take, which was. I'm not sure the NCAA really did anything here. I don't know that they did. I'm not I, I think sure. The, I think the only thing the NCAA sort of acknowledged is that if you're a student athlete uh, and you're a volleyball player and you happen to write uh, uh, a book or you have a social media feed that yeah. uh, that allows you, you, you it, it, as as the rules stand currently, if you you can't profit off of that in anything. Uh, if you write a, a song and you're a songwriter or, you know, or a YouTube star, you, you can't profit from that. I think what they're saying is now that they will let you do that. But they did not really get very deep into the whole go out and uh, do commercials for a car dealer in your town, which which I think is the the base sort of example that most people are saying that uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa can start doing TV commercials in Tuscaloosa because he's the starting quarterback on the most popular team in the country. That, that- not only did they not say that, they really didn't even they really didn't even say that you're allowed to be compensated with money. And to me, that's the big sticking point. They said you're allowed to benefit from this. Right. Which if you're a lawyer, well, <laughs> the it, legalese of that, that sure, is wait, vague. But and again, it, on the some of the negative sides of this, if you're going to be compensated by money now, you have to pay taxes on that. Okay, now, now there's a borderline question of whether you're an employee or not, which now opens up union possibilities, which opens up, uh, it, you know, all it changes the dynamic in a lot of ways. And I think and I don't know that everybody who's a fan or has been banging the table for these changes has thought that far down the road. You know, I mean, again, I, I completely agree that that it's not fair that players can't use their name, image, and likeness to their benefit. But we do have to understand that if you're going to let them do that, then all of these other things start to come into play. Because right now, you benefit from the tuition and all the things that you get with that, and you are not responsible for paying taxes or anything else like that. I, I agree. The, the financial side of it is a mess. And it's something these kids won't want to deal with, right? So I, I believe there's it's written in that they are allowed to have an agent or some sort of lawyer attached to them to, sure. to, to sort of handle all of this. Because that's that's where my head started to go too. Being a student athlete in college is crazy. You're yeah. up at you're up at four in the morning. There's Very generally a morning practice, then a morning breakfast together with the team. Then oh by the way, there's classes, which most most, yeah, well, most are obligated you know, to go oh, to. Oh by the way, you're getting a, a <laughs> yeah. hundred, two hundred, and three hundred thousand dollar education right. for free. I, I feel like sometimes people lose sight of My that. point is that from a scheduling standpoint though, I mean you're oh, yeah. already going wall to wall between sports and school for the most part. You're gonna sneak in, you know, jersey signings and right. whatever. I, I just think most, I think, mo- first of all, this entire process is limited to about one to two percent well, of the see, athletes. Anyway, see, see that—that's the other thing. But I just Mike, wonder, you're right. Paul. I just wonder then how many of that one percent is actually going to do anything about it. Well, see, you know see, I mean? and that's what's on. Un- that's what has to be resolved. Is Tuatonga Bialoa can can open up his doors and have yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars in endorsements. How about the swimmer? Uh, at uh, that Kent State University. Sure. Oh, you're, you're talking about a no-namer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, and 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 then what about the Title IX requirements? That let's not lose sight of that has to be involved in this. And the other issue that I think scares me the most is this just going to become legal recruiting. <laughs> inducements and there. cheating it's my biggest question let's get there you know i mean it was kind of fun this week to see smu get a lot of the attention yeah. they got with a nationally televised espn game at undefeated team uh brought up all the memories of the pony express and the death penalty but it was what it was it was real it was real <laughs> and they didn't hide from it and they weren't the only school that did it they were just the one that got caught mm-hmm. but it was real yeah. it, eric dickerson will be the first to tell you he put himself out for bid and whoever met the highest bid was where he was going to play so i mean let's get down this path here because 
Many, so are the m- are the GM and the Ford and the Chrysler dealerships in in Tuscaloosa going to fight over who can offer of the next big quarterback prospect the but most Paul, money? You know this. You're attached to a university right now. These colleges are already attached to these businesses. There are there are colleges that are Nike colleges. There are sure. colleges that you know have AT and T communications built into them, and they're a major sponsor. These big companies are already attached to the college themselves. So if you're an athlete in that college. If you're if you're if you're a Nike college, you're not going to be doing a Reebok spot. That's true. So you're already limited. The college is going to be all they're going to be hounding you. They're going to essentially be managing and manipulating this entire process for you, right? Tua, Tua is not going out and 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 building his own resume. See, that's a great question. Alabama is going to be handling the resume. That, and then isn't that isn't that a violation? Well, isn't that what we're what, what this rule is supposed to be all about? So that the universities are not but they have manipulating to be. it. They have to be right. They're not going to let their quarterback. You know, show up on a on a Reebok billboard when you know Nike provides all of the equipment for Alabama, right? right? I mean, and, and I don't even know if that's true. So if I'm wrong, you know, don't tweet me. So how do you combat that? <laughs> right, and, and but we haven't even gotten to the part of where you've got recruits coming in, you've got 16 year old football quarterbacks out there that are being recruited, and now you can link them to companies that you have, you know, you have ties to. Let's say Alabama does have a tie to Nike. Well, can't there be a behind-the-scenes wink-wink deal to, to, to get this kid involved in his own personal sponsorship? And I'm doing, I'm doing air quotes here. That's right? the fear. I mean, isn't aren't there going to be – I mean, anybody who read LeBron James' books, you, you know, from Brian Windhorst, these things were all happening when he was in high school. This guy was – this guy had had sneaker companies helicoptering into his home in Akron to, to basically pitch him when he was 15 years old. This stuff was, this right. is where we're going. Right. If there's a kid in Kansas who can throw the football and he's 15 years old, not only is every college going after him, but every company is now going after him because they know that they can, they can win his likeness. Right, the second he and, turns into and college, and how much does this do the sneaker companies have a say in what colleges? We we know that happens, right? You know that maybe it's not that the Kansas college, basketball, right? It's not the college that that is putting the influence pressure, but it's the sneaker company tied to the college. And now the college has a direct avenue to sort of work this thing out, right? Yeah. Now they can put it all on Nike. I I think this <laughs> I, again. I I completely agree. That it's not fair, that there needs to be something changed. It's not fair that the players can't benefit at all from this, but I think this is a majorly slippery slope. I think it needs that to be. no one has really thought out yet, uh, and that and that I, I, it needs a lot of study before it's done right. I think throwing this vague statement out was the worst possible thing they could have done because it is going to spark all of this this left and right extreme discussion. That if anything, it needs to go the exact other way. It needs to be this crisp, clear, concrete template that every athlete can use, right? You can do this. You can't do this. This is how you do this. This is the phone number you call to, to apply for this. Or It all has to be built through the NCAA. And I know they don't want that. They don't want to manage any of this. No. They, they want to they allow it to some degree and then get the heck out, out of the way. But that's what they've always done. Right. Well, the That's reason they've always done. the reason for the statement was to get in front of this so that California. all these other states don't because again, the NCAA ultimately wants to be able to have control. I mean, that there were threats about if the California schools were the only ones to do this, then they were going to get kicked out of the NCAA because they can't compete with all the other schools if you have a different set of rules. So the NCAA, I think, did this to get in front of all the other states that are talking about doing it and saying, "Okay, we'll we'll figure it out." We know we have to. We will because we need to maintain what it is that we are right now. Right, and to that degree, one of the legal mentions I saw in there was that there's going to be basically an R&D phase until next January. An entire calendar, 14 months. Ask us all your questions. We'll try to figure everything out. I hope that means that they're doing what we just discussed, and they're going to put an actual you know, concrete plan in place for how these get done, right? You can't just have uh, Trevor Lawrence you know, at some convention center doing this, hosting an event to make money and sign autographs and sell jerseys. I I just think that's going to be way out of bounds, right? Because you're right. There's swimmers in Kent State. Yeah, I think I just... But they're going to be trying to do this, Paul. Everybody's going to be trying to make money off this. But how many of them are going to be? But is is it going to go that way? Is everybody going to be trying to do this and it's going to become this cluster small business mess? No, I don't know. We already have a a very dramatic divide in college athletics between the haves and the have-nots, the power fives and the smaller schools. So how is this not going to make this even worse? Worse. 
Worse. You know, and and are we getting towards a split ultimately? I know there's always been rumors bubbling about are we getting to the point where those big schools are going to split off and either start their own yeah. NCAA or 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 I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, the disparity. Go uh, just in the past week or so, um, USA Today puts out its annual coaches' salary. Uh, database. It's incredible. It's it incredible, incredible to look through just just to see the di- you know the differences between what Saban and Dabo Sweeney are making versus the bottom part. And it's not even you. You only got to go about twenty twenty five names down the list to see those salaries go from the six seven eight million a year to the one or two million dollars. It's also a year. such an elephant in the room when you're talking about this conversation, the yeah. player compensation versus that. Right. It's such an elephant in the room. And I get room. it. That's that's what gets people's emotions riled up. And yeah. when Florida State's willing to pay $20 million of a buyout and remaining salary to their coach, Willie Taggart, to fire him less than two seasons in, people, people understandably go, oh, but they don't have enough money to pay the players. It's not that they don't have enough money to pay them. I just don't think they know how to do it the right way. Let's, let's end on that right there because that's – Sort of where I wanted to get to. Would would salaries for for college athletes even fix any of this? Oh, it, I'm talking. Let, that's let's a great let, question. Let's make it as easy as possible. Let's say everybody well, there are everybody makes the world. involved. Now. Every, everybody makes the same salary. Let's just say it's that everybody makes. Well, first off, that'll never happen. Mike. Let, but let's just say it okay. is. In a, let's in just in say your fantasy world of college athletics because <laughs> that'll never happen. All the right. Big schools are uh, not going to pay what uh, what you know. Um, South Alabama's picking a pay. All right. Let, let's put it this way, then. Let's attach it to the cost of attendance. Okay. Okay. Let's just say the cost of attendance now is tripled, right? So if you're at Alabama or you're at Michigan, you know, gigantic cost of attendances because of travel and, and all of that, um, you know, it's it's triple what it is now. So it's a, it's a salary, right? I mean, that's going to be... Sure. You're talking probably fifty, sixty thousand $60,000. Right. For, for on top of the free education you're talking about. On top of the education, okay. on top of the tuition, the books, all that stuff, the full scholarship plus a tripled cost of attendance across the board. So every college has to triple their cost of attendance for every student athlete, mm-hmm. football to, to bowling. Okay. Okay. Is that going to fix this? Aren't you still going to have the major one percenters saying, yeah, but you're using my jersey and you're yes. selling it at Dick's Sporting yes. Goods? And, and again, you're going right. to have the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world uh, it, living in a different place than most of the other schools in the country, than, than, than anybody in Conference USA or, or any of those other colleges. Because of the visibility. Of course. The, the conversation here is television rights, right? When, 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 when right now, as we exist, of Division I athletic programs – that some schools spend more than a hundred million dollars more than other Division One programs. I'm talking about Division Two or One AA or FCS. There are disparities. Again, go look at that coaching. Go look at the coaching salary list and see the difference between one thirty and one. Um, how do you overcome that disparity? And how do you it's overcome the happen. fact that the ones at the top are like, I don't care about don't them. Care. They can't generate. And it's no different than than Jerry Jones saying it about the Cincinnati Bengals when their NFL salary cap discussions going on. <laughs> right. You're right. You're right. And I know that's where a lot of people want to go. A college salary cap. I can't even imagine for all the reasons you just laid well, out. Well, then, then, then make it. A, and then it's another pro league. That, right. That's then it's right. A, then 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 now then why are you going to require them to go to school? Why are you going to require them to make grades? Why are you going to re- if that's and and again you could argue that some places don't do that any that that some places be Alabama and Clemson have become professional college football teams programs. Um, but then I mean, isn't there some part of this amateurism and that needs to be retained? Isn't that what yes. college athletics is all about? One hundred percent. So, so we're we're gonna punish college athletics for being as popular as it is and generating the kind of money that they generate. And once again, uh, the money gets generated because you and me and everybody listening to this podcast is gonna lo- is gonna watch Alabama LSU on Saturday, and the ratings are gonna be through the roof. So the commercial rates are gonna be through the roof. So I, what are we talking and about? Players here? aren't making that money. Players, no, they're players not. Players aren't making the they're, television they're, they're money. Not. But 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 again, we're we're gonna uh, is that a we're faulting? Everybody for that? No. No. I, I think it's an impossible task. It's an impossible task. Unless you want to make them professionals, which it's a great point you made. That's where we're going. This is the start of making these players professionals. I think, I You're think... losing amateurism the second you start allowing them to, to earn any kind of income, taxable income as a, as a college athlete. So right. I, I'm, I'm all for some sort of change and some sort of 
heightened stipend. I really am. I'm all for, I think the cost of attendance is kind of a joke and it's being abused. I've read a lot about it the past three days here to sort of prepare for this and, and really just understand what the NCAA has done here, which again, I'll say it, I think it's nothing. I think they've, yeah. I think they've just covered their butts it's a, over it's California. It's a hold off. It's a yeah. stiff arm to everybody. And we'll, we'll get back to you in a year when yep. we have all the questions answered or yep. maybe not. And then we'll see what happens by 2023 or whatever that year was. Well, uh, right. Well, that's when the California rule isn't supposed to kick in until 2023. It also you understand that that's the four years out, right? So yeah. any anybody in college right now essentially wouldn't apply for Correct. any kind of changes we'd have, which you understand that. But in who, who knows where we're going to be in four years? I mean, really, where, where are we going to be in four years with all of this? You know? I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I, 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 you know, on the surface, it's a great idea. When you dive even slightly under the surface, there are questions that no one has any legitimate answers to. No, because if you're allowed to have agents... The agents are going to rule the day. Yes. These guys, do. these guys and gals are smarter than any of the players yep. and any of the, guys, the people sitting in the college front offices right now. They just know how to work the system to their credit and right. to the players' credit. So if you allow them in and, and you know, if, if they're allowed in, go get it. I'm not knocking any agents yeah. here. And I go think get the, it. But right. they're going to rule it. They're going to rule the day here. And, and I think the other trade-off in all this, and I think to some degree we see this now, there's going to be a dozen college programs that are basically the only ones that anyone's going to care about. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be the it, ones you gonna know. It's going to be Kentucky and Kansas and yeah. Duke and basketball. It's going to be Alabama and Clemson, Oklahoma and Penn state and Michigan and football. And everybody else is going to be irrelevant, erroneous, whatever word you want to use. I mean, is it going to help the Daniel Joneses of the world who are at Duke, a Duke program that hasn't been noticed? I'm, I, I can't even see how that would translate. I don't know. How, how is him being able to make money off his likeness going to make him a more visible quarterback? Unless it's forced, unless it's thrown down her throats, which is what I'm worried about. I'll say it again. I'm, I'm worried this just turns into, you know, I, my brand is now my small business, and I have to work as hard on that as I do as I do in the classroom and on the football right. field. Right. And there's just no time for that. No, there These isn't. These kids should not be not be be able to or forced to spend this all this inordinate amount of time trying to manage their brand. I mean, get an Instagram account. Play play your sport well. Get yourself a good a good degree. Yeah. Get out and then Set go. Set yourself up for get life. Out, whether that's go. whether that's life working uh, on on Wall Street. Whether that's life working on Main Street. Whether that's life working uh, at AT and T Stadium. You know that that's to me, and maybe that's just my uh, little uh, you know older view of this. It, yeah. It's that should be the benefit of all of this. That that and I get it. It's not that, but what it should be is that a college athlete should go. I want to use them for the education to set myself up for the light for life yeah. as much as they're using me for the benefit of selling tickets and getting TV ratings. That's an old guy take, right. though, Paul. Yes, it is. I know <laughs> it is. Uh, all right, let's spin this back to a couple of little more NFL conversations here. Uh, we're at the midseason point of the year for the NFL pretty much now. Yeah. Um, uh, so you've compiled the midseason NFL best values and the contract statuses of them. Yeah, just a little tidbit here. We, we track this every single week. We import the stats, and we run our little valuations every single week. So we sort of know who's outplaying their contract and vice versa. You know who's at the bottom of the list? Joe Flacco. Yeah, this is an interesting <laughs> list that does not include a lot of household names. It doesn't. A few. Yeah, generally the the overall list. So you can you can sort this by just veterans, just rookies to sort of see where those players lie. Because obviously, you know your rookie contracts are going to dominate any kind of best value list to start. But it really this is the overall list you're looking at, Paul. And I think there's there's some names on there that you know not rookie contracts. A, a lot of sort of minimum veterans on here. How about Jamie Collins, right, coming back to New England and just having a year? I mean, he's having a year. Maybe not the best day to be talking about Patriots defensive players, but he and Kyle Van Noy are the best value linebackers in football right now, and it's really not even close when you look at the right. percentages. They have, they have just been efficient as heck for that, that defense. Um, but uh, it, let's the, start at the top, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean the two I, names at the top are the I mean, two names at the, well, you know, it, it, well, the, the, the Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey might be sure. the best running back in the NFL right now. The, uh, I don't, and I don't know that you could argue very I much. I think he's the MVP of the league right now. I agree with you. Yeah, I think he's the MVP of the league. He has answered every question. He is doing every facet of football that a weapon needs to be. He is catching every ball. He is making the, the right amount of blocks for Kyle Allen. I mean, he, you, you missed that. Kyle Allen is not a great quarterback. No. Kyle Allen has been put in a position to win with uh, three solid wide receivers and a all-world running back slash wide receiver. Much like what the Ravens did to adapt go. to Lamar Jackson. The Panthers have adapted around their strengths and have put a quarterback in who knows how to play heady. those strengths. He's heady. Yes. Yes. The, quarter, the best value quarterback in football is Dak Prescott, though. <laughs> and it really, 
he's been a, above average. He's had some weeks that are really, really elite, and he's had some average weeks. Um, he really hasn't been bad. Dak Prescott is not even at the, even that Jets game. He wasn't bad. He was just sort of Dak Prescott. Um, yeah. But he's making six hundred fifty thousand dollars right now. So let me ask you this question. I, mean, I, I hear this thrown around a lot. Uh, you know, uh, he'll come off a good game and people will go, oh, price just went up. Pay him. Price just went up. <laughs> My inclination is the price isn't going up on a week to week basis. For You know what Dak Prescott is going to have to be paid as a legitimately good starting quarterback. So if he goes out tonight against the Giants and throws for five touchdowns, his price isn't going up. If he throws five interceptions, his price is not going down. I think that's a, a lazy, weak <laughs> take by people we, who say that we we literally he's gonna make 30 million dollars a year so if he makes 32 or 29 does yeah. it it's not doesn't make a difference i can tell you we, we literally run the evaluations every week so i literally see what from a mathematical standpoint what five touchdowns does versus what three touchdowns does it's like a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> right right so if he's worth 33 two today and tonight he throws four touchdowns against the giants it might be 33-3 tonight, yeah. okay? So it don't, don't beat up the Cowboys but that's for just this. Math. People are beating up the Cowboys for, oh, they shouldn't have waited. No, no, the Cowboys know what they're doing. They know what they have to pay them. They just haven't decided apparently yet whether they want to or I not. I mean, talk about a, a likeness and name recognition discussion. Dak Prescott is the quarterback of the Cowboys. is right. worth $2 million more than any other quarterback Absolutely. in the league. You think, and I bet you he knows that, He too. knows it. Jerry Jones certainly knows it. He's been here long enough. He's been through quarterbacks. He had to pay Tony Romo way too much money, right? And Tony Romo is still banking off that likeness and, and name recognition now. So it, there's, there's a lot that goes into this. It's just we've had a lot of incredible quarterback performances from players who aren't making a lot of money. We've talked about it. You know, we said some names here already. You know, uh, Brissett, one of them. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, you know, at $18 million a year over two years here, I mean, holy cow, what he's done in a short time span. But yep. Dak has consistently been Dak. Sure. And that's the, really the, that's how you evaluate him. And that's he's why people Dak. love him, and that's why some people don't love him. Right, because he's not Aaron Rodgers. He, you're right. Oh, he, darn. His, his, his ceiling and his floor are pretty close together. Exactly. Right. And, and, and there's not a whole nice? lot of there's. Well, yeah, it, it is it, nice. Yeah. You can you can build around consistency. So now I also understand how some people could say, I want more than that. Right. I, I get, I get that. that, too. Um, be careful what you wish for. That's always the problem, yeah, because if too. you go swing for somebody else, you may not get Dak's consistency. But it is what it is. He, he He's never great and he's never bad. He's always in between. Wide receivers. Uh, Chris Godwin is the best value wide receiver in football. I don't know. If you're a fantasy player, you probably know who Chris Godwin is. Oh, yeah. He's one of those names you've been watching all year. Um, and he's the second best wide receiver on his team. I mean, yeah, Mike Evans is, is still the better receiver on that team. Jameis Winston can throw all day. You know, he might be throwing to the other team every now and then, but he throws all day. Chris Godwin is going to get a contract. I mean, he's extension eligible after 2019. He's a guy you keep. He's not going to be worth, he's not going to get the $18, $19 million contracts we're going to see from Mari Cooper and, and the Michael Thomas deal. He's going to be in that lower 14 to 15 range, which is still a good coin for him. I mean, coming off of a nothing rookie contract. Uh, I just expect that's going to get done regardless of how they handle uh, the, the quarterback going forward, whether it's Jameis or it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater, whatever it's going to be. I mean, there's just so many names you can f- slot in here now with the movement we're going to see this offseason. It's going to be another uh, roulette wheel of quarterbacks for us, Paul, yep. in February. We'll have to well, spin the wheel and maybe where's more, Cam maybe Newton more going? so than ever, right? I mean, there <laughs> yeah. hasn't been a lot of roulette wheels of quarterbacks lately, but yeah. I think we're headed – we're headed towards that for all the reasons that we talk about over the, over the weeks here, uh, rookie contracts and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. There, there's going to be some serious roulette wheel and going a solid on. draft uh, quarterback and draft in the next two years, looking like there are a lot of the next level uh, tight end Austin Hooper, part of that big passing offense in in Atlanta that's gotten them pretty much nowhere, nowhere in two um, years. But but he's been really good. He's a stud. He's a stud. He's on an expiring contract. A lot of people thought he was going to get moved at the deadline. I was one of them. I thought there were, you know, the Saints or the or the Patriots were going to come calling for a player like that, or the Seattle Seahawks actually. Um, they didn't want to move him, which means they're probably trying to extend him right now, which makes sense. That's a position you want to extend. It's uh, that helps your run game and your pass game, of course. Um, I don't know. If I'm in Atlanta right now, I have no idea how to move forward. No, you've, you've built I was yourself... going to ask you what's you know it's looking like a new coach. What does that mean for Matt? Matt Ryan's put up great numbers as a fantasy owner of Matt That's Ryan. It. He's been incredible this year, but they've. He, it's the typical Matt Ryan. Well, he's off the roller coaster this year, right? 
Because right. it's always every other year. This is two years in a row that have been not so good. Right? That's right. And he's not going out and winning games for them. No. You know what I mean? He's and not. Frankly, he's he not never taking has them in to his the career. That's he, right. He's been a very. He's been. It's been flat. He's been much like my other fantasy quarterback, who is Matthew Stafford. That is true. Um, you know, good. they're the same guy. They put up great numbers. They look great. People love them. They don't win. Let me let me project out Matt Ryan's finish line. It's Philip Rivers, right? It's Philip Rivers. Yeah, yeah. Ton of numbers. Big fantasy guy. Not a lot of results. You, you kind of love to watch him play. He's exciting. He makes those downfield passes, but. He's just not putting teams on his back. No. Nope. He's just not doing it. No. Nope. And that's sort of what Philip Rivers' career has been. So yep. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, next next couple of guys are uh, some guys, some players. Next three of them are players to ties with where we are yeah, here in Buffalo. Uh, your your value left tackle is Deion Dawkins. Uh, your value guard is former Bill Ritchie Incognito playing for the Raiders. What a story And there. your value defensive tackle is uh, Jordan Phillips with six sacks for the Bills this year. Yeah, it's kind of easy to find him. I mean, he was on a minimum contract. He basically left the Dolphins. <laughs> For dead, they, you he, know, he knew it was coming. The Dolphins there. on the way out the door, which he sure did. Good for him. Sure did, and he had a big week this week again. So Richie yeah. Incognito is amazing. It is. Um, it's an incredible he, story. He, Paul. He's in his late thirties now. He has had well documented issues, yeah. but he's a hell of a player, and yeah. teams know that. And if they're if you're willing to sell your soul a little bit for dealing with what hap- what you get with Richie, which sometimes is nothing. He's a great. Uh, a teammate and a great guy, and then other times when when things go bad for Richie, they go bad. Um, you know, you 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 get that. I'm frankly surprised the Raiders signed him, knowing how things ended here in Buffalo. But you want a guy who can plug Look. in and kick people's butts at guard? He's the guy. Look, it is not a coincidence to some degree that Richie Incognito comes to the Bills and the Bills get out the playoff drought with Tyrod Taylor. Okay, and then he goes to Oakland. And Oakland is way better than any of us. We thought Oakland was going to be a dumpster fire. All of us, I think, it was a consensus dumpster fire for Oakland based on the Gruden offseason. He, he, that line is secure. Derek Carr is, has got time. He looks way better. Josh Jacobs, the running back, is having a, probably a rookie of the year career uh, uh, season here. I, it, he, wherever he goes, and when, and when he's right, in his right mind, things work out really well. So it's not a coincidence that we're seeing him here and we're seeing the Raiders being successful right now. But we got eight weeks left in the season, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, Deion Dawkins is—is is he going to get a, a upper echelon left tackle? I don't know what that current rate is, somewhere around fifteen million yeah, a year. Nate right? Solder thinks that's sixteen. Nate Solder, you're going to have your Laramie Tunzel get signed. You're going to have some you know, Trent Williams, probably a new contract. So th- that number is going to increase, probably closer to eighteen million by the end of next by the end of the offseason. I don't think Deion Dawkins generates the kind of production that those guys would. Um, and he's not coming from a, con- a rookie contract that would require a major, major uh, payday. But he's going to get, you know, his 13 to 14 million a year minimum, minimum. Yeah. Uh, the, the interesting question about your value defensive end, who's Eric Armstead of the Niners, is they yeah. invested so many high draft picks in their defensive line, of which they are seeing the benefits from now. Yeah. But can you be able to pay everybody? No, no, no. They're going to they're going to it's going to catch up with them quickly. John Lynch has done a phenomenal job. He's just done a, he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You, you look at that defense, and it's not that they've got one or two guys. They've got ten guys. They've got ten guys who they either drafted or acquired. They've paid just enough to keep the keep the core together because they had just an awful injury season last year and really before that as well. So they've sort of been waiting this whole process out and uh, you know understanding the type of players they needed. That's why they went and got Tevin Coleman this year on the offensive side of the ball. They sort of know what they need. It's very Patriots-like, and it seems robotic in how they move this offense together. Um, I, yeah, defensively, they're, they're as good as you can get right now. And Eric Armstead might be the fourth best defensive player on this team, but in terms of what he's doing production-wise and what he's making, he's the best value defensive end in football, which is pretty, which is a lot to say because there's a lot of great ends and edge rushers right now. So, like I said, that's a uh, that's a team to watch and the only undefeated team in, in that's football right. right now. That's Paul. right. You mentioned the, your linebackers, Jamie Collins and Kyle Van Noy, the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, you know the likelihood of them getting paid. No, Van Noy would be the guy to pay, but the Patriots don't always don't do that. Do so I would don't know that I don't know that I would plan on that happening. No. So, cornerback uh, Mike Hilton of the Steelers. Yeah, he's not the most uh, the, the biggest name in that secondary right now after seeing Micah Fitzpatrick do his thing yet yeah. again. Um, and we'll see. I mean, P- Pittsburgh's going to find their find themselves in that wild card discussion, Paul. It's going to happen. I mean, their schedule bears out nicely for them. They've got the Bengals coming up here. The Browns are coming up again. Um, it, they they may not have been as dumb as we all thought they were 
when they, when they acquired that Nick Fitzpatrick. Yeah, they kind of got ripped for that, and uh, yeah. you know, and I think I think again, it, the, the 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 lazy easy take was, oh, they're going to be bad. They're going to need a quarterback. Why would you trade your first round? They were never in position to feel like they needed a quarterback. No, I think they felt enough about Mason Rudolph to be to know that they didn't have to draft a quarterback. So let's not give up on this year. Let's make our defense even better and try to get by with what we have. And I, you're starting to see it. You are. You're certainly starting to see it turn around. So Mike Hilton is holding his own on the left side. Mick is on the right side. And the safeties are holding their own as well. So it, it, they had to replace Artie Burns, uh, their own first-round pick, who's been just a veritable bust. Mm-hmm. So they, they, you're right. This little on-the-fly movement they've made has worked, and they're really turning their season around. Value safeties, Justin Oof. Simmons of Denver Justin and Simmons. Andrew Sendejo of the Eagles. Justin Simmons is going to get paid. He has been on a bad Denver team and a defense that had a very slow start. Justin Simmons is making plays out there. He's going to be – we saw a huge pay, day, pay uh, off season for the safeties in, in Tyron Matthew and Earl Thomas and uh, Landon Collins, and, and the, the list really goes on. There, I think there were six or seven major, major paydays for safeties. So the bar has been raised to a very, very new level for free safeties and really strong safeties as well. Simmons is going to be the next benefactor of that, and he's going to get a major offseason payday. I, who is Denver? <laughs> I don't know. Who, I, they've who been is a very, they've been a, the defense has been a surprise in that they've been not as good as they need to be. Yeah. Their offense, you know, what they're doing at quarterback, nobody really knows. I think they're waiting for Drew Locke to get healthy to see whether he's the answer down yeah. the road. They invested a pretty high pick in him. Um, but but if not, again, he'll get his chance down the stretch so they can know going into the draft, which looks like a top potential top 10 pick, whether they need to get another quarterback and – Again, John Elway's track record of picking quarterbacks has not been good. I just wonder if this is going to be a extend Justin Simmons, let's try to push forward a little bit more kind of offseason, or if it's going to be a cut Von Miller, cut well, Chris Harris, say, let get what these you guys can get out, get what Get the last couple of years out of Von Miller that you yeah. can. I don't, I don't know. know. We've seen a lot of teams go the other way, right? Justin yeah. Houston released, th- those kind of things. We've seen a lot of teams also sort of give up. also hired a very defensive-oriented coach who probably is going to sit in that room and go, wait a minute, what you bring me in here for if you're going to get rid of all the good players I have on defense? That's a fair point. Yeah, so, uh, all right, so that's an interesting read for NFL fans to kind of see where things are at with those guys, and certainly those are a lot of names that are going to be worth watching once the offseason rolls around. We want to wrap it up here. What do you got, some uh, homework assignment for everybody? (laughs) Well, first of all, today's episode is also brought to us by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage for real fans. Get detailed coverage of every trade, every free agent signing, and all the storylines on your team, as well as expert analysis from writers like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, Pierre Lebrun, really everybody you know is on The Athletic right now. So join today. Get 40% off a yearly subscription by going to theathletic.com slash track 40 off. That's theathletic.com slash track 40 off. And, yeah, I did a little homework just, uh, you know, trying to get myself off a screen here and, and read some actual books, pages, wow. with pages and you know, words you know and how to do paper. That. Um, yeah. Factfulness by Hans Rosling. It's really the whole Rosling kind of family that wrote this thing, and they've been doing TED Talks to boot sort of burying out all of these little points they make in here, which are just incredible. It's just, uh, it's sort of the world we live in and, you know, how on every day we're confused because we don't know, you know, where things are coming from or, or, or you know, is evidence there? Are we just hearing things off the top of people's heads? Yeah, or are we hearing things this, and not and refusing to believe them, whether they're true or yeah, not? Yeah, I mean, speaking of, on the heels of, of an athletic read who does these $25,000 word articles, excuse me, that you know are are well thought out and and well researched you know and well written you know there's we're just lacking a lot of that right now yeah. we're lacking a lot of that we're lacking a lot of you know thought out points with evidence and this book is all about it all about how to take the current you know influx of media and, and content that we get and sort of sort out for yourself what is evidence based what has fact what do I need to retain? What should I throw away? What do I need to comment on? What shouldn't I comment on? What is being said to me this way for this reason, bias-wise? Just a really smart way to interpret content, statistics, data, polls, all that. You know, I mean, I'm not going politics, and they didn't really go politics either, there's, but there's certainly a political spin to this. There's also a sports spin to it, okay, and that's good. what I took out of it. I was able to sort of, I mean, they don't, they don't talk sports, but from a guy who interprets data and, and analyzes things from a sports standpoint and a financial standpoint, you can take what this book reads out as and sort of bring it into this world very, very easily with, you know, what you should sort of let roll off your off the back a little bit and what you really should do more work at. 
and understand that, you know, I need to, I need to, to find more research and more evidence to back my valuation numbers or all this stuff because throwing it out in this simple case form, just not enough. And, and, and the argument was the, the easy way to look at it is nobody wants to read anymore. And, and this book maybe says, to some degree, maybe, but to some degree, maybe you're just not doing a good enough job of selling the fact that they should read, yeah. that they should read this, and they should understand this, and should have their own interpretation of this, and that this isn't you know, a, a yes or no answer kind of thing. It's read this, understand it, and take what you want with it. Take what you will from it. Just a really nice kind of layout of our, certain, our current data and content. All right, there world. you go. Book reports are due to Professor Gennetti <laughs> by next Monday's recording of the Spot Track podcast. But no, that's great. And I and can't encourage everybody enough, particularly in the world that we live in now, you've got to look beyond the headline, beyond the head first paragraph, beyond the tweet. Um, Mike and I do it all the time. And, and uh, I try to do it in every aspect of my life. Yeah. Say, wait a minute, is that really true? I want to know more about it to know whether it's true because I want to make up my own mind. So good stuff from Mike, we covered a lot of topics here today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll cover even more on next week's edition of the Spot Track Podcast. We are brought to you by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. We believe in empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about their finances and wealth. To learn more, go to morganstanley.com slash GSE. Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, LLC, member SIPC. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the Spot Track Podcast. 